decided to try, you know, since the first week in March when we went virtual in Providence, our team has always tried to focus on keeping our secret sauce, our magic, right, of what it's like to be in person in our space, in the virtual space. So we really love this program that we kicked off in September, I believe, because, you know, we want to replicate what it would be like if you walked into our beautiful space at 225 Dyer. You can take it off, Amy, because now I can't see anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I like to see everybody's faces. So this is called Cultivating Innovation in Formal Conversations with Rhode Island's Economic Gardener. That would be me. Um, And we invite community members, you know, anyway, 1130 to 130, like, any Thursday, come for as little or as long as you can. And then we kick off our Cambridge programming at 1.30. So we, you know, it, it might, we always share what's going on in Cambridge as well, because it might be something that, you know, you have meetings, you can hop on to ours from 11.30 to 12.30, but you have to hop off for a little while, but you might want to hop back on to Cambridge at three. So um, this is a great way for us to just have a more kind of collaborative conversation and we invite a lot of community members like our friends at HealthSource RI, who I think I saw here. Robin, do you wanna, do you wanna talk, talk a little bit about what's available, what, what, you're, what you're up to over there at HealthSource RI? I, I would love to. Um, I also have um, Kristen Arison here, Hi, who is our, our sales director for um, HealthSource RI for employers. So. For those of you who don't know um, who HealthSource is or who I am, I'm Robin Dione. I'm the communications director uh, slash chief public affairs officer at HealthSource RI. We are a state agency and um, we are Rhode Island's um, health, the the state of Rhode Island's health insurance marketplace. Just like Mass has MathHealth, Connecticut has Access Health. um, We are here in Rhode Island to help connect people to um, low or no cost, uh, high quality, Uh, coverage through carriers in the state. So we are not um, an insurance agency or insurance company ourselves. We're a resource for people who are um, on the individual and family side. If you are uninsured and you're looking for coverage or you want to maybe consider what your options might be, we're here to connect you to resources where you can do that. 80% of our customers actually do connect to some sort of financial assistance. And then we have a small business marketplace. Um, we have about 12% of the market share in Rhode Island currently. Kristen, am I lying? It's 12%, right? You are correct. <laughs> so we have 12% of the small, bu- of the small business uh, market share in Rhode Island, which means that um, we are one of the top performing small business marketplaces in the country. Um, and Kristen can, can talk to you about that in a minute. So what we do on the individual and family side, we have an open enrollment period from November 1, and then usually it ends at December 31st, right around there. This year we extended due to COVID through January 23rd. So there's still a couple of days left if you are a person who does not have coverage through an employer and um, or any other means at this time, now is the time to, to try to get enrolled. We have heard at the federal level that on January 28th, the Biden administration will be making an announcement of some kind about something related to the Affordable Care Act. So, um, which is, uh, you know, commonly known as Obamacare. That's what we are here to connect people with. So whether that is a longer open enrollment period, another open enrollment period that happens, or a special enrollment period. So if you are, you know, employed by somebody now, and then you lose your job in March, 
obviously the open enrollment period for health coverage is over, but you would be able to sign up for coverage uh, through the marketplace here in Rhode Island. We can help you do that if you have um, that qualifying life event or any one of a number of other qualifying life events, which could be getting married, moving into Rhode Island for the first time, um, if you turn 26 and you lose coverage from a parent. So there are a number of ways that we can help you and potentially um, even more ways going forward into 2021 and beyond, depending on what um, the new uh, federal administration lets us do af after January 28th. We'll know more about that. So um, we're, during- uh, We're waiting for that information yeah, on many levels, right? We are, we are yeah. all waiting. We're gonna have <laughs> you back for a longer session. This, um, we love to call on our community members just for you know two, three minutes to share what's yeah. going on. And what you're doing is so important. So definitely keep us in the loop. And um, we need to, you know, I see Diana on here. She's a founder out of Brown that has LapSnap, a great new company. Um, so we have a lot of um, small business founders, small businesses um, and, and mentors like Ron and I and, and Ed who, you know, can share this information. So it is really important information. So if anyone has any questions, we will be happy to connect you to Kristen and Robin. Yeah, that, that would be great. We definitely would love to come back, um, especially after the 28th when we know more. We have so many different fact sheets that we create based on specific industries. So if you work in a certain industry in Rhode Island, we may have already started mailing industry-specific postcards to you. We try to connect with people who are, you know, maybe they're 1099 workers at salons or acupuncturists. We send postcards out to licensees knowing that this is a field where people are largely uninsured because they're 1099 That's workers. Awesome. So we yeah. do a lot of really targeted work like that. Um, and we would love to come back, you know, even with our director and talk to you about that more in the future. But Kristen can give you, um, you know, a little overview about our employers program, which um, we've really worked hard to make sure uh, employers have all the resources that they need during COVID right now. Awesome. Um, I, this, this session is only a half an hour and we definitely try to keep it conversational. So I'd recommend too, Kristen, drop anything in the chat. Absolutely. So anyone who's interested can grab some information, but if you want to just do a quick, a, a quick, so I could, because I have a few more well, people on the call. 30 seconds. Who are we? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. Rhode Island for employers. So we help small businesses, which what is small business? It's less than 50 employees uh, provide uh, affordable health insurance to their employees. So uh, the benefit of working with the exchange is that um, we're able to provide uh, multiple choices of carriers um, so that your employees are able to, to have uh, choice. So we offer what is called full choice. So it allows your employees um, to pick the, the best benefits that work for them. We know that um, employees typically ask on a job interview about health benefits before they even ask salary. So we're trying to help Rhode Island businesses be successful uh, by being able to be competitive and offer affordable um, insurance to them. So I will, like you said, I'll drop um, the best number to call. I'll put my contact as well as um, our website and our call center. And if anyone would, needs any more information, I'm more than happy to answer any and all questions. That's awesome. Thank you for both for being on. And if any of you don't grab it in the chat and then like later have someone that you want to share, you know, share Kristen's information with, just reach out to Amy or I and we'll, we'll get you um, Kristen's information. Um, so thank you both for being on. Come back anytime, come back every time, drop stuff in the chat. Let me know to call you out if something's new. Um, hopefully there'll be an extension. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Um, I also see our friend Angela from the Center for Women and Enterprise, Rhode Island. 
you have some exciting, um, important programming going on. Do you want to? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Tuni. Thank you. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the Center of Center for Women and Enterprise, we are a nonprofit economic empowerment organization. We are a women's business center funded in part by the Small Business Administration. Uh, so we are, are taxpayer funded and we're part of a network of women business centers throughout New England. Um, that is the Center for Women and Enterprise. And we are a resource to small business owners and aspiring small business owners in the community. We primarily provide a uh, live trainings and one-on-one -on -one consultations that run the gamut of, you know, your business interests and needs. Um, so I'll drop my contact info in the chat if you, if you have any specific questions, but my role is the COVID business recovery project manager. And right now we're really focused on this current round of PPP funding. So there are PPP loans available for both first draw applicants, if you've never received a loan before, and second draw applicants. So if you have received a loan, uh, a PPP loan already, uh, you are eligible for a second draw. There are slightly different rules for the first and second um, loan applications, but feel free to reach out to me for assistance. We have a great recorded webinar that we did last week with some um, quite a bit of info about th this program. Um, and uh, despite what our name says, we work with business owners uh, all throughout New England, not just women. So um, drop me a line and... Uh, we'll, we'll get you sorted with the PPP application. Uh, we're also about to host a webinar on the shuttered venue grants. If anybody on this call um, is. We're one of them, Angela. What's that? We're, no, we're one of them. We're not eligible for different reasons, but right. you know, our organization <laughs> lost a significant amount of uh, projected revenue um, because we're a shuttered venue site. Yeah. So we feel Any that. For, uh, it's really focused on venues that are in the entertainment industry. Um, think movie theaters, um, you know, traditional. Uh, so Trinity, Trinity right. right, is Trinity one of them? And, um, or uh, Providence Performing Arts Center? Exactly. Yeah. Um, venues, yeah, it's venue is, is, you know, in the name of the grant. So uh, if it's an organization that derives the bulk of its revenue from, from live events, um, and you know ticket sales then that this is a a grant that will be available to you um it is not compatible with the ppp program so so anybody who is applying for a shuttered venue grant should not apply for a ppp loan we have so many businesses in this state that yeah yeah uh, so i'm just going to to put my email in the chat and if anybody would like to connect further please feel free uh, share it with your with your friends, your family, um, we are, we're here to help. Awesome, we're gonna pivot a little bit. We have um, a great small business expert professor. I really love it when academia is supported by people with real world knowledge. So Ed is the small business doctor. He's been consulting for decades on, I'm, that's okay to say decades, right Ed? Um, uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> helping small businesses grow. And he's, an, he's a professor uh, at, at Bryant, which I love because he's he didn't just go to school, learn about it, and then teach it. He actually does it in the real world, which makes, um, in my opinion, the best kinds of teachers. So we took part in a program that you run at Bryant last year 
um, and we were <laughs> we were one of those that started pre-pandemic and and continued to work with our group through the pandemic a little bit. Can, do you want to share a little bit about it and then give out calls to action? Anyone here, like if anyone on this call, like this half hour is meant to share important information that our community will benefit from and let us know how we can help. So, um, and that's by dropping information in the chat or just saying it out loud. So Ed, do you wanna talk just a little bit about the program and, and sure. let us know what you need? Absolutely. Uh, Tuni, thank you very much for having me here today. I really appreciate this and welcome to all of you. At Bryant University, our second, primarily second and third year students, all of those in the business College of Business take a course uh, called Principles and Practices of Management. It's a introductory management course. And one of the, one of the hallmarks of this course is the, teams, uh, the students are divided into teams, between five and six people on a team. And they go out into the community and they perform a service learning project for businesses. Those businesses can be local, they can be distant. It doesn't have to be just in the backyard. And basically what they do is they they cultivate, number one, the experience of being able to produce and to maintain a high-performing team. And for you all, the big thing is they come in, they support you in a project or development of a plan that you're really passionate about. Uh, actually, the past semester, as Tuni referred to, we did have a chance to work with the Venture Cafe and there was that interruption of circumstances there, unfortunately. Nonetheless, I'm here today to reach out to you folks and to tell you that this program is available. The students will be divided into teams and will be starting school on the 1st of February. The semester ends on the 7th of May. So approximately 14 weeks, they will have the opportunity to engage with a small business or large business in the area. And this is an invite to you who might be interested in partaking in this process to reach out to me for further information. I want to just tell you this much, it is not something that is a, a tremendous drain on the business themselves, okay? The students are there and are equipped to support you in any way you want. Uh, the degree of oversight and input that you provide is your call. Typically the students and you, the sponsor, will create the project together, what you want it to be. Everybody that I have worked with in the past, and Tony, let me correct you, it's not my program, it's the management department's program. No, I, I, I just want to be forthright, okay? Um, but I, you know, everybody I've spoken to and worked with in the past, my teams have worked with and otherwise, have been very, very appreciative because the information provided by a, a group of five to six business school students is really, you know, it, it's just totally amazing. They provide a fresh perspective, they have great, ideas. Uh, there's a lot to be learned from them and they obviously have a lot to learn from you folks as well. So I too will put my information in the chat box here um, and I encourage you to reach out to me if you want further information. Naturally. Before we cut you loose, can yeah. you just give like a couple of, <laughs> a couple of brief examples of, of what student groups have worked on and with what kind of companies that might just make it make even more sense to to those okay. Well, those historically, we had worked with nonprofits. Okay, let me just let me just point this out. Historically, we were working with nonprofits because nonprofits typically have a, a greater need for resources like this and less access to uh, you know, financial capital and human capital. 
we have now expanded that to include the for-profit world where folks are engaged in implementing or trying to maintain any one of the 17 UN uh, sustainable goals. Now, if you're not familiar, I'll put that in the chat as well. Awesome. Um, examples of things that people have done. Uh, we had a team that was working with a medical group on Long Island. And what they did is they put together a, a campaign to try to educate the public about vaping and the, and the dangers of it, okay? They worked with the local medical group, medical community there, and they came up with a campaign, a, a video, and an actual event that occurred so that they could get their message out to their community there. That's an example of what happened. In other cases, for uh, specific nonprofits, some people have been looking for a, a development of a marketing plan or an expansion upon an existing social media campaign, not just, not things like uh, just posting, if you will, but something more substantive, something with a depth of value, not only in the immediate sense, but something sustainable. All these projects are designed with the team and the sponsors naturally, but we remind the students that we want you to go out there and give these folks something now and something that will last. And I always emphasize the journey versus the endpoint. So my students in particular will go out there, maybe not delivering the endpoint for you guys, but delivering a plan so that you can go out there and make it happen. You know, 14 weeks is a short period of time. It's, it's not always enough to get it done, but my folks go in there with the intent of giving you something of value that if you can't implement it directly, you'll have a long-term ability to utilize it. I have an idea, Ed. Jordan and I just came up with an idea. So okay. make sure to drop your contact information and or information about the program. And sure. I know Jordan and I will be reaching out to you and, okay. um, and others on this in this session may have some ideas as well. So Super. thank you for sharing this information. Thank you and the other professors for running this program. It's a great program. Real world experience is awesome. I see one of our amazing interns on here, Evelyn, who's a senior at Salve. She's unbelievable. Um, Jordan was my intern at um, from Salve when I was at Innovate Newport and he and I literally opened Innovate Newport together and now he's a program manager here. So I love real world experience and it, it you know, it, um, it helps us grow. I know I'm inspired by them on a daily basis, but it also gives them real life experience to say, oh, this isn't what I thought it was or, oh my gosh, I love this more than I even knew I would. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into it and dive deeper. So um, keep up the good work. Thank you for taking the time to be on today. Um, I see other educators like my girlfriend, Suzanne McDonald on here. She's going to lead the next session. Um, so, but before we jump in 10 minutes to the rest of our programming, I see Shaheen here. Shaheen is uh, our director for Venture Cafe Cambridge. What's going on at 1.30 today, Shaheen in Cambridge? Hi, everybody. Um, this is a pretty cool program. I love how Tunia gathers everyone in the Rhode Island and Providence, I'm gonna say greater Providence area, but Rhode Island a lot um, together for a half hour of informal conversations. So we've replicated this up in Cambridge a little bit and I'm leading a similar session at 1.30. So if you wanna connect with um, innovators, entrepreneurs, mentors in the Cambridge area, it's a really easy way to do it. So I'm gonna drop the link to the chat um, for my session and I hope to see some of you there. 
Um, and we've got some programming coming up on, uh, after that at two o'clock, which is on defense innovation and avionics. Quick uh, raise of hands in the room. How many people know what avionics is? We got a few. All right. Wow, but never mind. You guys already know what's going on. Oh, come on. Um, Tell us. What is avionics? <laughs> I had to look it up a little bit, but avionics <laughs> is aviation electronics, right? So put that together. You got avionics. How about this? How many people um, have flown in, you know, uh, how many people here are pilots? You never know. I have friends that I'm like, oh, you're a pilot. I never knew that. No. Any pilots? No. Anybody ever fly in like a small plane? That's on my to-do list. Cool. So yeah, I'm really excited about today. I don't know. Some of you may remember, Ron, you might remember when for a year I worked out of the Quonset Airports conference room um, before I opened the Hive. I worked and I loved it and um, got to be really good friends with them. And I have a bunch of friends that have planes and little ones, you know, but um, I'm, I'm super excited about today's programming, Shaheen. And Me too. The applications are pretty wide. Um, it can be everything from what I see is artificial satellites to spacecraft like buttons and display management to how to, how to how we watch You've Got Mail on the Plane. So all the electronics are gonna be talking about today um, cool. at our conference, so we'll see you at two o'clock. All right, and that runs from, so 1.30 to two is your informal session. 1.30 um, to two is ours. And then two to what today, two to five? Two to five o'clock, yeah. Okay, can you drop the links to, so people can sign up if they're interested? absolutely can and and like all of our venture cafe thursday programming everyone's welcome to drop in for some or all of it drop in drop out drop back in whatever works for you and and we're part of a global network i'm not sure if everyone knows that so venture cafe cambridge is the first venture cafe that was born 10 years ago out of the original cambridge innovation center at one kendall one one broadway in kendall square um so shaheen runs that that's just in venture cafe is just programming it's not an actual cafe District Hall is our actual spaces um, within our organization. So we are one of the newest, I think we are the newest in Providence, Venture Cafe Providence. And then we're part of, um, we're part of our regional nonprofit, but then our two venture cafes are part of a global network of venture cafes. So we have partners in Philly and St. Louis and Miami and um, soon to be Arizona. And then we're in Rotterdam and Tokyo and Sydney. And so we're part of a global network that's pretty exciting. So there's always exciting program going on on Thursdays. But one of the silver linings of this epidemic, this pandemic, is that um, when we opened in Providence, our programming was the same time as our sister brothers in Cambridge. And I know like I used to go to Venture Cafe Cambridge before I was Toonie at District Hall Venture Cafe for their blue economy programming in particular. And we have a lot of um, community members, like we have our own communities we serve, but then there's a lot of overlap within our communities, obviously between Boston and Rhode Island. So silver lining is that we were able to adjust the programming in this virtual space, um, which has been beneficial for many reasons. We have a lot of subject matter experts. Oh, sorry, I never have my ring around. That scares me every time. Um, subject matter experts in areas we're focused on in Rhode Island, like um, offshore wind. And the earlier time has allowed us to have those, those global thought leaders attend our programming. Um, one, because of the time, and two, because it's not in person, right? So for many reasons, um, we're loving the virtual. We miss the in-person, um, but when we go back to in person, it will always be a hybrid version, right? We're never going back to the way it was. We're in our new normal and um, there are pluses and minuses to all of it. 
And before I hand it over to Amy to talk about the rest of the programming, I just want to let everyone know we do miss seeing some of you in person. And although this is great, um, it's not ideal. And um, we're going to be opening up our space on Monday, February 1st. So we'll have our second floor um, public lounge open Monday through Friday, nine to five, and our meeting rooms and event space. So Amy, why don't you talk about what we have going on today? Absolutely. So today we are focusing on support for small businesses, as you probably guessed from the number of people that came through the um, informational session with Tooney. And if you've read the description, um, kicking us off at noon, we do have a session with Newport Interactive Marketing called Deep Dive 2021 Digital Marketing Opportunities for SMBs and BTBs. It's a roundtable. It's going to be led by Suzanne McDonald, who is on today. Um, and then at 1245, we have our featured session with uh, our sponsor for today's program, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Rhode Island. Um, Karina Wood is going to be interviewing Jeshua Zapata on um, tips and tricks and all sorts of things that you can use to grow your uh, small business creatively. Um, so you definitely want to stick around for that. At 115, Elizabeth Russo, also of Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses, will share how to apply for the program and how and answer any questions you might have about getting into that Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Rhode Island. They are currently recruiting for their um, summer class, I believe. So she'll share all the deadlines and everything so you can get in there. Um, and then, as always, we encourage everyone to jump over to Venture Cafe Cambridge um, and join the conversation over there. So in a few minutes, we're going to kick off, but I do want to update for just a second on what's happening next week, because I want to encourage everybody that's here today to join us next week. Um, 2021 is the year of the creative economy, according to the UN, and we're looking at the creative economy here in Rhode Island. We're looking at the economy as it grows and builds in creative and new ways. And we actually have a power hour, an hour and 15 minute session um, led by one of our advisory board members, Juan Wilson, um, and interviewing a number of people who are working to build an economy creatively um, here in Rhode Island. So we're talking about the Black Block Rhode Island, we're talking about um, a beautiful day granola, and we're talking to the Met High School's Entrepreneurship Center um, to learn about- Which I've been volunteering at for a decade, I love it. So there's great programming this week. There's great programming next week. We hope you'll be able to join us. I'll drop the link for next week's session in the chat. Um, and in, uh, yes. Does anybody awesome. have any questions? <laughs> yeah, please um, chat, a, chat us up because we like to stay active in the chat and uh, we like to pay attention to the presentations, but stay active in the chat. And um, Suzanne is um, able to manage multiple balls in the air at the same time. So um She'll be keeping an eye on the chat as well when she talks. I have a really interesting question, Suzanne, for you that I'll wait until it's potentially applicable during your session because we are a nonprofit organization, right? That has um, restructured our organization in this last year. And uh, a lot of our funding, I don't know if you all know this, but um, so our regional organization is made up of our two venture cafe programs that we just talked about. Uh, District Hall Boston, District Hall Providence, and Roxbury Innovation Center. A majority of our revenue used to come from renting out our meeting rooms and event space. And that's like our social enterprise that um, funded a lot of our amazing entrepreneurial programming. So we, um, you know, it's not all bad. We've created a lot of new programming this year and we've restructured our revenue strategy, but we still are a nonprofit that needs to raise money. So there are different tools that we're getting used to that we're adding. And one of them, Suzanne, that we just added, like last night we were working on this, 
is um, text to give. So um, hmm. curious if that's part of your conversation at all. And um, we can obviously talk offline. I'd love your insight on that. And Amy and I are playing around with how we're gonna present it to our audiences because we're not used to asking for money like this. Um, but we like to you know, provide the resources to connect anyone with an idea or a business to what they need to grow. So it's important. Um, so it's just another digital marketing tool that we're curious about and playing around with. Yeah, and that being said, so Suzanne, now you can think about it over the next <laughs> Yeah. <It's> <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hand it off to you. I can't wait. I've been a member of NIM, Rhode Island, Newport Interactive Marketing Marketers for a while now. How many years? Oh, I would say you were an early adopter. So we're going into our 11th year. I would say that uh, you got to be at least nine. Yeah, I think uh, probably at least nine. And I see Mark Collins, who I work with almost daily that I met through NIM. It's one of the most collaborative groups I've ever been a part of, right, John? I saw John a second ago. He was on my Hollywood Squares and then now he's bumped to another screen. Um, so uh, very excited as always to hear what you've got to say, Suzanne and your NIM tribe. And yeah. I guess, uh, Amy, we can hand it over to her, right? Yeah, let me do my introduction for the video. So Perfect. All right, so this next session is um, in partnership with Newport Interactive Marketing. Suzanne McDonald will lead, be leading this interactive and informational conversation on building email marketing campaigns for small businesses. Take it away, Suzanne. All right, well, I'm just uh, doing a little post here, but I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be back having our NIM community back and uh, partnering with Venture Cafe. It's always amazing to, um, to see everybody and also widen the Newport Interactive Marketing audience. We, uh, like I said, have been gathering up for 11 years now and it'll be 11 years in May. And initially um, I just thought, hey, I don't wanna have to drive to Boston every time I need to know something, you know, what's happening in digital marketing, uh, where are the opportunities? Um, wouldn't it be great if we could just do something in Newport? And I thought, well, it'll probably be like a half dozen people will sit around and get dinner. And uh, very quickly, within like a couple months, we had between 30 and 50 people um, in person, having a drink, listening to speakers. And um, and I love to do the roundtable um, because I think that there's such depth of knowledge in the community that we've built um, in terms of Mark, you know, is doing uh, local SEO. John Picozzi works for an agency. He's an account manager, but he has Drupal experience. Um, Jim Souza has a lot of small business and medium-sized business um, consulting experience with interior um, for restaurants. So correct me if I'm getting anything wrong, but, um, you know, there's just a really great community of people who come together and share expertise with, um, you know, pretty unabashedly like sharing their expertise in a way that, you know, you could be helping your competitors, but in our, in the NIM community, um, a lot of my best friends are competitors. Like before Toonie took herself out of the game, we, we were somewhat competitors, but, uh, but we were more, um, more friends and enemies, that's for sure. And there's just so much to learn from one another, whether you are an expert and you're just joining in um, in the conversation, but it's also very interactive where you can ask questions. And, um, you know, my background, I'm a former journalist from, um, I left the Boston Globe uh, 12 and a half years ago. 
And uh, I needed to learn everything about digital marketing. And so I focus more on content strategy. That tends to be more of my strength, but I'm also doing a lot of programming um, that is native to uh, to online and to Zoom and, and fun things like that. So but what I find is really important and valuable is knowing that I have some really great people to work with, um, to call on. When I have a client who has um, a particular need like SEO or Google ads or Facebook ads or um, Instagram, there's, there's a lot of great resources right here in Rhode Island. And what's especially exciting, as, as Chuni was saying, is that now you know, we're, we're no longer geofenced the way that we once were. I mean, that's one of the silver linings. So I just want to give out, give a shout out to Kelly, who's coming in from Phoenix, still early morning. Um, and anybody else, Darwin, you're in Boston, I believe. Um, yeah. So this is a pretty informal conversation. Um, but we, what we did was we had um, some people submit some tips um, to kind of get the ball rolling. But first we'll see if anyone has any particular questions and they could be broad questions or specific to your business. Um, and I will be happy to moderate and, uh, and kind of step in if it sounds like that, you know, answer is getting a little too involved and detailed and maybe not be applicable to everybody, but feel free if you'd like to put anything in the chat or, um, or just shout it out, that would be amazing. So welcome everybody. Oh, I'm Brian. Hey, Brian Hawkins. I haven't seen you in ages. Um, Brian is actually one of the inspirations behind the Newport Interactive Marketing community because I used to attend the Boston SEO meetup. And I was like, oh, it'd be awesome if we could have this kind of information in Newport. And uh, so happy to see you. Well, thank um, you there. Obviously, uh, you've got some great success there and being a journalist and now a, a full marketer here. It's nice to see the Newport alive here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, so does anybody have particular questions? I know Madison, not to uh, to call you out too soon, but I just wanted to say thanks, uh, Katie from the Norman Bird Sanctuary here on Aquinnick Island said that you'd be joining us and, um, you know, so definitely chime in if you have particular questions because I know nonprofits are um, are you know having a hard time and trying to keep up and just like just like everybody else I'm just curious how many people um, have a small business that they're operating on a day-to-day -day basis as opposed to working with small businesses can you just give a little okay okay like for example um, Galen you you have you have a business that you're actively using digital marketing to promote? Absolutely. And I was just wondering if you have any particular questions today? Not at the moment. I'm lucky I just got onto this. I was having trouble logging in. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but yeah, here I am, nothing, nothing particular right now, no. Okay, good. All right, you got a style Suzanne, tip for I us a, then? I've got a question. I'll have to pull my background up. Okay, question. I've got a question, Suzanne, how are you? Hey, Sean. Um, I have been looking into, uh, my business has had to pivot due to COVID. We started in recruiting and staffing, and I've uh, recently been doing more sort of small and mid-sized business consulting around people problems, helping our clients um, through, you know, a number of things. But our sales strategy has had to change. You know, we were targeting huge businesses, CVS, Fidelity, et cetera. And we knew that they used our services. And so we could 
use an outbound strategy to um, to go there. With this new business, we're looking to create more of an inbound um, sales process, right? To generate interest in what we're doing and have businesses contacting us. And, you know, I've been sort of pointed in the direction of HubSpot and some other things that are can be pretty cost prohibitive for a small business. Do you have any advice for us um, in that regard? Like, how do, you, how do you get started? How do you dip your toe in that way? Yeah, well, HubSpot really is, uh, really can be a big financial um, commitment. And so one thing I would say before you would dip into something like HubSpot, that you make sure that you have all the content and all the pieces that you need so that you can activate it. Um, And that I think is a really important thing. Um, uh, There are other services out there. They may not patched together into the reports and things like that, the way that HubSpot is meant to. Um, But I found that if you're a small business and you're really paying attention, you don't need necessarily uh, the play-by-play or the reports. I think the reports are great because you hand them off to like a marketing team or CMO at the end of it. But if you're a small business and you're really in touch, you don't necessarily need that. There's a lot that you can do with um, other tools that may be free or cheaper. Um, and a lot of the tools are actually um, getting to be more uh, all-encompassing. So for example, MailChimp, I was just logging into MailChimp, which I hadn't for a while and noticing like how many more features even even the free version has. But there's also um, other tools like um, I've been using ActiveCampaign that um, tends to be cheaper um, that also acts as a customer relationship management so I'm just curious for when you're looking at HubSpot, what are you hoping to get out of it? And maybe I missed that while I was. Yeah. So I'm, oh, can you hear me? Um, yeah. I'm trying to avoid HubSpot. I, I yes. uh, understand the cost prohibitiveness of that. We have Salesforce here, Okay. but if you want to use Salesforce in the marketing capacity, it's a whole nother product and cost and mm-hmm. et cetera. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we start really digital marketing without those tools, right? On our own. Right. Without spending a whole lot. How big is your list of people that you're, how big is Salesforce? Uh, I have about 2000 people in it. Okay. Okay. And feel free to jump in anybody um, who has other ideas um, and suggestions, but so, MailChimp, I think the, the free version is up to 2000. So that might be a good first start. Um, but any other tips or advice? Yeah, Suzanne, we actually, uh, when we developed our new business team, we actually switched away from, I think we were using HubSpot to a service called Zoho. Um, I think it is mm-hmm. cheaper. Uh, it's also a little bit more comp- um, compartmentalized. So um you're looking at like, you know, your CRM, your CRM is kind of one module and then they have additional modules you can add on for like email marketing, things like that. Um, you know, I do typically recommend MailChimp. Um, I have a, a soft spot for MailChimp um, just cause it's super easy to use and does integrate well. Um, you know, I think one question there um, for Sean is like, you can kind of roll your own if you, if you want to, but um, you know, sometimes that's more uh, labor intensive than 
than just paying the, the service. You know, there are instances out there where, you know, you can use a, a free version of a CRM, like something like Civi CRM, but then you spend a ton of time um, and, and sometimes money um, developing that and building it up to the level of some of these, these services. So that's something to just keep in mind. I could throw out another service. Um, so I work with a lot of uh, affiliates and, uh, you know, if you're looking for something to be able to have all in one, uh, a lot of people use click funnels, you know, building a, a funnel lead system. Typically that's about 300 a month, uh, but there's a new service called Groove Digital uh, and Groove Digital has everything in place. So it has your email funnels, a lot of systems in place. They're trying to get market share. So they're offering a lot of it for free, but some of it I think is like $50 a month. So instead of paying for click funnels, 300, it integrates a lot of the stuff and it's, it's more powerful for conversions uh, to be able to go after after um, kind of building your funnel and lead list. Thanks for the advice. Yeah, I'm just looking to put a link in there for everybody uh, for Group Digital. Um, there we go. Um, so what about any any other tips? Steve, you have your thoughts on Steve Lubachek? Any ideas here? I had a question. So I violate the number one social media no-no, which is basically I use my personal account for most of my interaction with people online um, for Facebook and, and other things, mostly Facebook. Um, and I really haven't been able to over the years to get people to really subscribe to and to interact with any kind of agency page or, you know, a page for my, my particular services or whatever. And I really seem to get best traction because you know, I'm me and people know me and that kind of thing. And I've got a huge, you know, database of people from throughout my life. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Am, am I doing it wrong? Am I not doing it wrong? Where do I, how do I, how do I move towards being able to make announcements and get people to go to my speaking engagements and stuff like that um, with, you know, where the algorithms don't always show people who follow my page and stuff. So it's just easier to do it for my personal one. Yeah, um, I think I'll just start and say that, uh, especially with COVID now, especially events, it's really hard to get um, to get a, a lot of people to attend. Madison, I see you shaking your head. Um, so that's good. It's not just me. Um, so I would say that strategic partnerships are really good. Um, so that's one of the reasons why we've partnered up with Venture Cafe is just to expand our reach. And, um, and working with other organizations who already have have a community in place. Um, yeah, curious if anybody else has other thoughts. I know that's not a very technical answer. <laughs> More so a clarifying question, I guess. Uh, Dave, are you having a problem getting people to follow your, your business page? No, or I mean, people, people follow it and stuff, you know, and, and I've been sporadic in using it. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, so it, the personal connections are usually the reasons why people come out um, to my stuff. And, and my, my quote unquote database of people ranges from people I went to kindergarten with through college and my professional career. And, you know, like I just, I just got a client the other day who I went to kindergarten with. So, you know, he would have probably never followed my page, you know, if I hadn't put anything on my personal page that I was doing this business stuff, you may not have even been aware of it. So, you know, you know, there's always, everybody's always said the big no, no is, is, you know, don't mix your personal and, and business 
on social media kind of a thing and have a business page and all of that. And, you know, and as a, as a consultant, I've always been a big advocate of that. But then again, I always tend to break it myself because it, I tend to, those personal relationships tend to be able to get people to join groups and do things that I, you know, or, or you know, make people aware of what I'm doing. So I just was curious if you know, other people, you know, how much do you use your personal page to promote things that you're doing? So yeah, usually it's a, it's a, you know, content is key and it's interesting because um, Tooney's question from before, like that's kind of the, the same answer. Like content is definitely becoming um, more of a, more of a currency uh, now that everybody's got so much stuff coming at them. Um, but typically, you know, what we've found pretty successful is posting, posting valuable content company page and then sharing it through personal your personal account right so but all roads go back to the you know to the company page um i definitely uh we're a company of like 30 30 folks doing that obviously get a little bit more outreach than you know a solopreneur or small small business but um you know ultimately it's it's not going to happen overnight you definitely have to have to work at it but providing valuable content through that business, that business account, and then sharing it out is definitely going to definitely gonna build that, that uh, following. Thank you. Nice. Um, Suzanne, can I pop in and, and yeah, definitely. Please do. Hi everybody. Um, what, what I, I, I'm, I'm mostly on LinkedIn and what I found on LinkedIn, that's very, very helpful. And this could even go back to Sean's question is, is building your personal brand on LinkedIn, which will then get people to your, your company stuff, your company website. Uh, don't be afraid to, to get on LinkedIn and put out valuable content as an individual, as a personal brand, but they know what you do for the company or they know what company you work for. Um, if you have, obviously, if you have your own, you're a solopreneur, you want to be putting organic content out very, very consistently, especially on LinkedIn, at least two or three times a week, videos included. Uh, but if you have uh, people, if, if you are working for a company, uh, there are very, very successful people on LinkedIn who like one I can think of off the top of my head is um, Katrina Furman. She works for Verizon, but she has her own little uh, Winning Wednesday podcast and she has a personal brand on LinkedIn, but it takes people back to Verizon if she needs, if she runs into her, her client avatar. So Personal branding on LinkedIn is very important because it can get people to where you want them to go from a, from either your own business or for the company you work for. And yeah, I'm, no, pretty, I'm okay. pretty much my own. I mean, I'm me, myself, and I. I mean, I do have strategic partners at times, but, you know, I am my own brand. Um, so, you know, it, that, that's kind of been my identity crisis for years is, you know, I had started a company, but now for the most part, everybody just knows me, so. Yeah. So you just want to, you know, like John said, all roads lead to you or your company. So your content is going to get them to your page. Yeah. You don't want people finding you via Google to get on your page because then there's no affinity there. They want to start looking you up after they start enjoying your content and saying, you know, this guy's an expert at what he does. Now I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to go to his, either his company page or his website. I think that's great advice. And uh, I just wanted to, uh, Here's some insights from Kelly Lorenzen from KLM Consulting, because we, we actually just did a podcast not too long ago about how hard it is to do your own marketing. 
<laughs> outsource everything you're not good at. <laughs> That's my key line. Um, Dave, I would suggest, um, you know, it's, I don't know what you do for a living. It's like the, the, I tell my, I have a lot of realtor clients and I tell them you can, you can be on as yourself and show people, you know, people want to buy people they know, like, and trust. I know that's like an old saying, but you know, you're showing yourself on your personal page and then your company page is showing that you own a real business, right? So it's kind of giving that, um, I don't know, you know, just extra um, that you're, you know, that you have a real business and then share one out of every three posts from your, you know, like, like the other guy said, from your business page to your personal page and then interact. You can change yourself and your business page, interact as your business, um, liking other people's stuff on Facebook that that will help, you know, the engagement um, and then uh, like, you know, obviously inviting your friends to like your company page. But it's really about getting people to know you, like you said, as a personal, as your personal brand and liking you. And then one, when you do post one out of every three posts, you know, something business or like, oh, cool. I didn't know, you know, you did that. And, and they can still then know you have the business, but it helps engagement, even if it doesn't look like it um, in, in your numbers, because I, I track it to go to my website and it's Facebook is still the number one, even though it doesn't look like it on the front end um for for traction to the website okay thanks yeah does anybody have experience with groups can we talk about groups on linkedin or facebook just curious if anybody wants to chime in with so any i can experience. i can talk about groups on linkedin um, great the linkedin group oh, wait a minute we got you you're back there we go i'm back i was, I was unmuting <laughs> with my space bar um, the Facebook groups I've found to be much more interactive. People really uh, seem to be, uh, I don't know, active in them. The, the LinkedIn groups aren't set up very well because what's really important on LinkedIn, you can set up a group, but you can't chat within the group. You can post stuff, but you can't chat with it. So what you have to do on LinkedIn is create your group and then create a messaging chat <laughs> off of that group. And you're allowed to have 50 people in that messaging chat. Uh, where Facebook is good is you can create the group and then you can have a conversation in the group. You can post and then you can, you know, do stuff. But LinkedIn is a little more difficult than that. So what I did is like I have a I have a networking group there, but then we have a chat where everybody hangs out and talks in the chat. They'll post stuff in the group, but you can also post it in the chat. So it's sort of like, you know, you're, you're doing twice as much work. So um, I found Facebook groups to just be much more interactive and easier to do. Sorry about the about the COVID puppy barking. <laughs> you should bark it at the heat. Um, so, one question I have because uh, I'm curious if anybody has tried using LinkedIn events, and I found that in LinkedIn will even admit that they're. I think Facebook groups taking off caught them by surprise, and so they really haven't had a chance to fully uh, develop out. The, the group's capability, but I'm just curious how many people may have heard about us through the through LinkedIn events. Did I send you an invite or you just got, yeah. I mean, that's another thing I sent out uh, messages, LinkedIn and allowed me to send out messages to anybody in my network. Um, I created an event on LinkedIn and then I shared shared it with them. Um, and a bunch of people, you know, were like, oh, I can't make it, but, you know, please let me know about next time. And so things like that. Oh. Peter says he got it through LinkedIn. So um, 
Yeah, yeah. we didn't. We should have set up a survey for this group, but um, because we didn't, anyone who wants to share in the chat how they heard about this, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be really good. I I, I did see the LinkedIn group uh, invite, and I invited a couple of other people as well. Um, however. Today I was invited to something on LinkedIn and it just showed up on my uh, calendar. So I don't know if there's a bug with the LinkedIn invites, but um, I never oh, did to, to go to this event at two. And some reason it like blocked out like two hours in my calendar. So I'm sure it's a little buggy right now, but hi, thanks for the invite. That's really good to know. Um, yeah, okay. So Suzanne, so this is good that you were able to send it to your entire network. So everyone you're connected to on LinkedIn, you were able to invite to that event? Uh, I think so. A, I'm not 100% sure, but I had to go through manually. I, I went through and I manually clicked, you know, who I wanted to send to. So it may be a little bit cumbersome, but but what's nice is it shows up. Like I got a mess. It sends out a message in your feed and it shows up as your events. Now LinkedIn had events when I first started doing them and that was very successful, um, but then they took it away, which uh, I know they brought it back. So there we are, but it's just another idea. Does anybody else have, have a question that you wanna um, dive into? Suzanne, back to your question about the Facebook groups. It, I've had a lot of clients have success with Facebook groups. So something to, something to think about. Yeah, and I would say another another thing to keep in mind is that you don't necessarily have to have your own Facebook group. You can participate in other people's Facebook groups, but I found that it works best to um, talk to the you know chat with the administrator just to say, "Hey, I have this event. I just want to make sure that it's going to be okay and kind of get their approval ahead of time." Depending on the tone of the event, um, you know, and and the group, um, but sometimes you know if you're brand new to the group. I did that on behalf of ROI and you. Um, so I joined a whole bunch of groups that were geared toward college grads and admissions counselors and things like that, because we're selling um, or offering a course to people, younger emerging professionals who may be interested in digital marketing. And it's a course for them to, you know, learn, learn the, the tips and tricks that are needed um, so they can actually get jobs as opposed to, you know, the evergreen content they're learning in college. Um, and so just kind of put it out there to some of the groups that I hadn't really been active in and didn't really have a whole lot to participate in, but had something that I felt was some alignment just to kind of get the okay. Um, okay. Quick question. Um, yeah. During this new normal, what, what has been everybody's experience about uh, the best avenue reaching out to people or potentials? Pick up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I've okay. used phone or Facebook Messenger, um, some way to create a you know real-time conversation with people and that's that's gone really well. Um, as people are kind of sitting around, you're almost have, they almost have more time to talk to you now. So. You know, either a LinkedIn message or a Facebook message or a phone call has been really effective for me for filling my programs and stuff. Are you, are you reaching out to people that you know? I can't imagine cold call prospecting is what you guys are suggesting. No, this has been, you know, my, my database of connections on Facebook and LinkedIn and whatnot, you know, people that have like, like I'll throw out a probing question, like who's, who has set goal at the end of last year, who, who has set their goals yet or thinking about needing to set their goals. 
but that kind of gave me a, a, a handle on who potentially I would want to talk to as I was doing my goal setting programs. And then I just kind of would send them a message and say, hey, I saw that you had liked it or I saw that you were interested in setting goals for the year. I've got this program that I'm doing. Um, but there were people that for the most part, I had some kind of relationship already with. Most of my, uh, if I want to get into a new market, it's all cold calls. So that's why I was asking the question. Jim, what do you, what do you sell? What do you do? Uh, restaurant design. Restaurant design. So you're an architect or just an interior designer? Interior designer, architect. So again, I'll go back to LinkedIn, but you can definitely um, try to make connections on LinkedIn. Just find your client avatar, do a search uh, mm -hmm. for the you know restaurant owners, developers who make restaurants, all that kind of, even architects who design you know the, the, the buildings themselves. Make the connection. Then when you have a connection, it's no longer a cold call. Then you can start a conversation on LinkedIn and then you can take it offline rather than just picking up the phone. You make the connection. Most people are going to be okay. You know, I always start with, Hey, I'm just trying to increase my, my uh, network here on LinkedIn. Saw your profile. It was awesome. Would love to connect. Very simple, very, you know, non-threatening. Most people say yes. Then you can start a conversation from there. And then again, you don't want to make it salesy right away, but once they start talking to you, then it's no longer a cold call when you get into the business aspect of it. That's what I would suggest. Thanks. The other, the other way that I've always talked to my clients about, you know, working their network or their potential network is like, like Alan said, linking to people, but then asking them that, you know, I'd like to have a, a, a you know, informational interview talk with you. You know, I, I want to see what you think about the industry or whatever, so that you're, it's more of they're helping you out than you're selling to them. Um, but you can potentially develop a, a conversation with them and they may be like, oh, I need that. Or I know somebody that does need that. But approaching it as you're you're trying to expand your business, grow your business, and you'd, you'd like to just kind of have a quick co virtual coffee with them to, you know, talk about what you're trying to do in your business and get their advice. That often people tend to say yes and you know, can, can open, you know, a, an expanse of your network that potentially will lead to business down the line. Yeah, you know, we've been doing we've been doing outreach um, using a service called Uplead, uh, basically uh, looking at different industries. Um, and, you know, curating a list of folks to reach out to. So kind of, you know, cold outreach, but the, the point is not to, not to be trying to sell them something, be trying to just make a connection. Um, you know, everybody, everybody that's in, in sales knows that, you know, there's a long tail, right. You're not gonna, you're not gonna close a deal with second you talk to somebody. So just trying to make connections and figure out where, you know, where we can help, um, and being more, more human, humanistic about it. Um, but yeah, we've had some pretty good success with that in, in starting conversations with folks. I'd also emphasize, um, just making it super simple, try to keep as Try to eliminate as much friction as possible. And there's two tools that I like that both have freemiums and it's You Can Book Me and also Calendly. Um, and they are great at just, here's a link to my calendar, book a time. And um, I sent out a ton of, um, you know, when I get a LinkedIn prospect or if I'm prospecting someone else, I'm working on a podcast series with uh, career counselors for ROI and you and digital marketers. And so I say, Hey, um, the process I have set up is similar. Like if you got, if you got a tip card template for this talk, 
we have the same exact uh, thing for ROI and you, where we're asking you for a tip that you can recommend. And then what that does is it unlocks a special calendar that I have just for podcast bookings. So I don't have to like go back and forth. They can just open it up and see like, oh, I want to book, you know, for a month from now, I don't have time to work on this, but it's also getting them to do the the prep work. So we know exactly what we're going to be talking about. Um, I have what I need to market the podcast, um, both before and after, which is what we use the tip cards for. So um, I would recommend, yeah, like if you're, if you think that you're going to get into a phone call situation with someone, you just send them a link, they can open it up and see what works for them. They can reschedule it. Um, you know, they, they can reschedule it if they need to. Um, what sometimes happens is that if they need to reschedule, sometimes they'll email you and say like, I need to reschedule. And then you can email them back the link. And then sometimes they forget. So um, I've gone back a couple of times and said like, Hey, you know, did you know, like I just forward the event and be like, here's the rescheduled link. So I still want to connect with you and just makes it easy um, to eliminate all those steps of like coordinating calendars. I'm coordinating um, the March NIM speakers, which I believe is going to be March and it's going to be an e-commerce um, panel. It's having March or April and um, trying to get, get four schedules coordinated with busy people is, is a bit of a challenge. So another tip is to use a tool like Doodle um, that, you know, you can kind of like overlap people's calendars and put out a whole bunch of dates and they all contribute. And hopefully I, I, this is the first time I've ever had one that like nobody contributes so that there's one overlapping. And the key is to kind of get the in there first, right? If somebody sends you a doodle link, get in there first and pick your times because the, the more people involved, um, you know, the, the fewer the options, right? If you're the last person in there and it's like, oh, everybody else can do this date. Well, guess what? <laughs> the pressure is on you to move your calendar around and make it work typically. Um, hey, but before... Oh, Amy, question? Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment. I feel as many of you who are speaking already, you either work in digital services or you mm -hmm. have an entrance way into it so that you feel as though you can do it yourself um, and you just need suggestions. You need better ideas. But I um, I don't work in that field at all. I work... Um, I don't produce a product. I work with the immigrant community, uh, offering oh, cool. legal services and advocacy services. But the reality is that I'm still a business, even though okay. I, I, I have that people angle um, to the work that I do. And I personally cannot be bothered with marketing. Um, digital marketing is probably the majority of current marketing today. I, I don't know any other type of marketing. Um, I guess there's direct mail. Um, but I, I, I don't uh, ha have the vocabulary. I, I don't know. Link I didn't know there was LinkedIn groups. I, I didn't even hear, hear of such a thing. Um, so I guess that's something I need to consider outsourcing to someone else. And there's probably other people on this call right now who are having the same experience. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't hear that voice. So that's why I spoke up that there are some of us who just can't be bothered with it, don't know where to begin, um, haven't been able to put together a, a schedule or a consistent schedule involving marketing. Mm -hmm. I try, I try, but I, I'm very uh, sporadic with it. I do posts on my Facebook law firm page, uh, Twitter occasionally. I used to have the two linked. I don't know what happened. The link got broken. I would post mm -hmm. on, on LinkedIn. It would go through to Twitter and now that's not working anymore. Um, Oh, excuse me, my Facebook law firm page will go through a Twitter. I don't know what happened. Um, and I also post on LinkedIn, but 
um, and I, and my my law firm uh, website, which is which is uh, I had someone design, but I do go in on the back end because it's WordPress. I'm able to, to do that. But anyway, um, so I just wanted to make that point that maybe uh, some people have a similar experience. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. And what we're always trying to do with NIM is to uh, is to support brands and businesses and organizations like yours, you know, and, and part of it, I think the challenge is, um, is always providing enough information so that the experts get what they want, but then also not overcomplicating it so that people who are actively supporting businesses and are focused on the day-to-day marketing is like over here somewhere. One, one of my priorities is to make sure that we're providing enough, uh, but not too much, so that you kind of build some awareness, right? Like the idea for you wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to do like these five things after this call, but to kind of get a sense of what's out there and say like, okay, maybe I should think about a calendar scheduling tool. You don't have to have that all figured out because if you have a marketing budget, then there's, or even a VA or an admin budget, certainly there are people who can set that up for you without you having to like figure it all out and what I should do because- Um, For example, you know, there are a lot of agencies, um, people who work with agencies. I have like what I call a micro agency, you know, you kind of step in and very quickly get you up to speed and be like, okay, now you get some systems and that you don't have to spend a whole lot of time tinkering or trying to figure things out. So that's one of the goals. But I always say that um, it's good to have these conversations um, and build an awareness of what's out there and who who's good to turn to. Not that you have to implement it all on your own, if that makes any sense. But one thing that's great about NIM, um, and I t- often tend to be a little bit of a clearinghouse where I'll, I'll get messages like um, Kyle sent me a message that was like, I need somebody to do direct outbound sales. And I was like, hmm, you got me on that. <laughs> um, you know, like telemarketing. And I was like, oh, I actually, that's, that's an area I should probably work on and find somebody who would be a resource for that. But for websites, graphic designers, digital marketing, email marketing, all that kind of stuff. Um, wh- who was it who somebody posted on my LinkedIn profile that I, I don't just know one person who does that. I probably know three. Um, so try to be a good clearinghouse and recommend. And a lot of it is like, what's your budget? It's not, it's not like some big abstract thing. It's like, well, how much do you need to dedicate? And, um, and then also uh, let's take uh, design projects, graphic design projects and websites. I like to say that projects and designers are like shoes and socks. They don't all fit. They don't all match, you know, so try to find the, the mesh there that, um, and connect you with somebody who would be good. But thank you for, for bringing that up. Does anybody else want to comment on that? I was also going to say that one of the big things is, is a lot of people don't even know what they need. You know, I, do yeah. I need an email campaign? Do I need a new website? Do I need social media? Do I need that? Um, and not to do a blatant plug for myself, but you know, somebody like me kind of triages where you're going and helps you set your strategy and then can make the introductions or call somebody like Suzanne and say, Hey, Suzanne, I need a, which I do quite often. (laughs) Um, and, and we can help you to get to where you need to go. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you need a kind of a person to, you know, whether it be a business coach or, or somebody like myself who kind of straddles that, uh, provider business coach role. Um, to kind of help you figure out, you know, what do I even need? Since Suzanne's dog is barking, barking, I'll interject here. <laughs> there, 
the heat must have gone on again. Um, Nim, I just posted in chat. Nim is a fantastic place to find the expertise you need to outsource to. We're a super collaborative, not competitive group. Like Suzanne said earlier, some of us, not me anymore. Um, uh, we're kind of direct competitors, but you know, there's someone for everyone. And as Dave said, you know, we'll just kind of help you identify what you need and then connect you. Suzanne's really good at connecting you to, the, I've used her a bunch of times <laughs> over the years, over the decade. Likewise. All right. I have the puppy on the lap. So hopefully that'll help things a little bit. Sorry for your eardrums or as, as my daughter likes to say, your ear balls. <laughs> and Amy, um, I, I do run a, um, office hours every Wednesday. Um, where I give 15 minutes of advice. So if you, if you or anybody else wants to jump on, I'd be happy to kind of quickly talk to you. And if it's, if it comes right down to, oh, I need a specific, you know, I'll send you to Kristen Haley or, you know, half the people on this call. Um, I, I know what they do and how they do it. So I can help you figure out which ones. to. to and how do we arrange for that 15 minute? I'll put my, I'll put my information in the chat and you can uh, contact me there. Awesome. Um, other questions? Because I think uh, John brought up a good point that uh, we should go back to Tooney's question. Which, John, you want to take it from here? Yeah, I can. I'm actually going to pass it back to Tooney to restate her question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, at, the, at that point in time, I remembered it and had a response. I but, was just uh, thinking, yeah. what was my question? Was it about direct, was it text to give? Text to give, like, yeah. Um, yeah, so. it was I think you were you're touching on nonprofits and, and how they can kind of overcome overcome nonprofit. the situations that they're in, right? Being a nonprofit that lost. Uh, Is that? Oh, busy? no. Did we, did we lose two? Oh. All right. Tune oh. back. She's back. Oh. We missed it. Being a nonprofit yeah, is where I'm we left off. My yeah. In the majority of our revenue i keep freezing i think i keep freezing yeah i'm here i'll jump in if you'd like awesome thank you hey ashley how are you hi how are you guys um okay i, froze. I think so i work with tuny um <laughs> and so i've been brought in to, to run our fundraising and our partnerships and so with at um all of our programs that we offer our goal is to make sure that they're free open and inclusive for anybody because we want to make sure that we're supporting anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur or any small business owner, no matter what their financial background is, um, innovation is for everyone as Tooney's background says. And so one of the things that um, we're really doing is, is just really having to change our model. We are fortunate that on a good year, we um, are able to reinvest all the money from our rentals of district hall back into the, the entrepreneurial community. Unfortunately, um, just like any event rental, in the world, we are in the worst industry um, that we could possibly be in. On the flip side, um, our programs are the most needed resource that that anybody, um, you know, any small business and entrepreneur can need. And so we're, you know, we're diversifying not just for the current situation, but for the the situation in general and, and how to make sure we're sustainable just forever. And and we've never really done any individual giving. Um, and as a lot of you or anybody in nonprofit knows, 70% of giving is individuals. And so billions are giving in the United States annually and 70% are by individuals and not corporations or sponsors and, and things like that. Uh, and so 
the one thing that we're, we're testing and we just implemented is, is a text to give. Now there's two text to gives. Um, this one will mostly be, hey, if you're interested and you wanna give back as a tax deductible donation, support what we do, um, learn more at our innovationstudio.org. Uh, but then there's the other one where people actually reach out and test, text pro proactively, I guess which we are not going to do. I'm just not a huge fan of, of that method of um, getting those text messages to my phone um, and, and asking. But we thought, you know, we have this great platform. We have so many supporters. This is just an easy way to give back. So yeah. my question was, John, like what are the best, you're an expert at so many things. I haven't, <laughs> and I keep freezing my, my uh, internet. You're good, keep, keep going. Yeah, my internet is wonky, but no. Uh, I, I rely on you often for this kind of information and I have never utilized this before. So I was just wondering from my marketing rock star friends, since you were gonna be on today anyway, and we just started this last night. I was just wondering what best practices are, like what, what works well and what do you recommend? So I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave the marketing to, to the more marketing savvy folks, but from a, you know, from a technical angle and a nonprofit angle, you know, we work with a ton of nonprofits and, you know, last year and, and going into this year has, has rocked a lot of them. Um, you know, one of our, uh, we, we just launched the beginning of last year, Earthwatch, which is a, a citizen science organization that does in-person um, expeditions. So like, a pandemic basically has prevented them obviously from, from doing that. And, you know, you like many others are um, adapting. Right. And, and as I said before, you know, content is key. So your, you know, your mandate is to offer uh, free content to folks and free services to folks. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, maybe you, you look at um, a, a dual, model where some of the content or most of the content is free, but then there are, are paid, or, uh, paid options, right? Um, the, the modality at which you kind of collect donations from folks, whether it's text to give or a number of the other platforms out there, um, you know, I think whatever makes Our question it, was more about the technology. Right, so, you know, I think whatever makes it the easiest, like you wanna make that donation like as easy as possible. Um, and, you know, one thing that uh, we've seen um, is, you know, the less, the, the, the easier it is for people to drop in a credit card, connect to a bank account, do a reoccurring, um, you know, monthly donation or whatever it is, the better off you're going to be. And coupling that with, hey, you're not only, you know, you're not only um, donating to a great cause, but you're also maybe getting something out of it. Like, Hey, here's a, here's a, a webinar that you have access to now, or, um, you know, it, it podcasts, you know, if you guys are doing, doing podcasts or some something like that, um, there's a service out there called, um, Patreon, right. And, you know, people can basically, as they listen to your podcast or listen to your, your, um, your service, right. Um, they can, they can choose to make a monthly donation or something like that. So, you know, I think there are multiple ways to, um, to get people involved, get people donating, um, you know, text to give is a great, great one. Nice and nice and easy, you know, 
it usually connects right to somebody's uh, cell phone service provider or whatever. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's the main takeaway here. Make it as easy as humanly possible. Make sure you guys are testing that stuff. There are plenty of organizations that throw up, hey, we have this new donation portal. And then they like, they never test it. They never go through it and think like, how can we make this easier for people to be able to, you know, to support us. But I think that coupled with your content is going to be, is going to be super key. All right. Um, I'm sorry to cut you all off, but I want to thank you all so much and Suzanne for organizing this session. It's been fantastic. I think we've all learned so much and taken a lot of notes, especially those of us who do not have a marketing background at all. Um, we do need to move to our next session to stay on time. Um, and so I'm going to introduce that now. No worries. Amy, can I just mention that maybe uh, if we want to continue in the chat or uh, Nim has a LinkedIn group, uh, if you look on Newport Interactive Marketing, I'll actually throw the link in the chat. So if you want to continue the conversation, but thank you so much. It's always so great to see everybody. Thanks for coming. And it's always great to be a part of Venture Cafe. Definitely throw, throw all the links. And I saw that all of you put your link, your LinkedIn's in the chat too. Um, I'm definitely going to connect with everybody. So please do throw everything you want in the chat and we can help distribute too. Um, but for our next session, we are um, on to today's featured program, which is sponsored by Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Rhode Island. Thank you for that. Um, Jeshua Zapata, a 10KSB alum, will share his advice, tips, and a mini mod with Karina Wood on best practices to grow your business. Take it away, Jeshua and Karina. Hi there, everybody. Um, so I'm Karina, and um, I'm the executive director of the 10,000 Small Businesses Program, which is funded by the Goldman Sachs Foundation. And we run a statewide program, which is an education program primarily to help small business owners who have established businesses, at least two years established, to help you scale and grow your business. And uh, we'll give you lots more details about the program logistics and how to apply. We're recruiting for our summer cohort right now, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but I want to introduce Jeshua Zapata. Jeshua, I see you right there. And Jeshua is the owner of Exito um, Marketing and Creative Solutions. And he is he was in our first cohort of 10,000 small businesses in Rhode Island when we launched back in 2016. So uh, yay, cohort one. <laughs> and, um, and I wanted to have a little conversation with Jeshua on two topic areas. The first being, if he could share with everybody what it's like to be a marketing business looking to grow itself. And how did the 10,000 small businesses program and curriculum and network help him as a marketing business in Rhode Island to grow and sort of share some takeaways um, about that. And then the second topic really is about how Jeshua can share advice and tips with all of you on the kind of work he does to help startups and early stage businesses and established businesses 
to do better marketing to help them grow. So uh, hopefully that sounds like a good a good set of uh, topics there. But um, we'd just love to open it, Jeshua, by giving you an opportunity to just introduce Exito, your agency, and uh, and tell us why why did you sign up for the Ten Thousand Small Businesses program in the first place, and what were you hoping it would do for your business, and tell us some things that it has done. Yeah, so uh, good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure being here. And uh, I joined a little bit earlier just to kind of get an idea of who, who was in the room, what kind of topics and uh, conversation was going on. And I started Exito 17 years ago. And I would say, like, I was always extremely entrepreneurial. I remember calling the Pawtucket Times and saying, hey, uh, can I have a paper route? And at the time, they would ask me, how old are you? And I would say, well, I'm nine years old. And they're like, call back next year. And then eventually I caught on that I needed to, I, I said, well, how old do you need to be in order to have a paper rule? And they said, well, at a minimum, you have to be 14. So eventually, you know, I called like a few days later and I was like, how old are you? I'm 14. And that day I actually got a paper rule and I did that for a few years. So, and I learned the importance of, you know, really providing value to the marketplace but also providing good service. I remember gathering my friends and really, you know, cross-selling like snow removal service during winter storms. And that's how my journey started as an entrepreneur that then took me to Bryant University, which then I said, I, I really want to continue being an entrepreneur. And when I graduated from college, I worked for corporate for a few years and I was working on Exito on the side. So in 2004, I was just graduated from Bryant with a uh, communications and IT degree. And then I worked in MetLife doing uh, process consulting work. So I was doing a lot of project management. And then that ultimately led me to start Exito on the side and leave Exito later on and start it full time. So uh, I want to give you some story. You know, that was like 17 years ago. And um, I have always been involved in a lot of different groups from like Vistage to CEO groups. And one of the groups I was part of was, was part of uh, a CEO group with Rhode Island College. And they brought someone from Goldman Sachs and they started to speak about the entrepreneurial journey. And I resonated with a lot of the messaging that was put together. And ultimately I said, let me find out a little bit more about this Goldman Sachs program. So I went online and I learned that the program was at Babson. It was two days. And I really could not believe that this program was free. Like I looked at the curriculum and I was like, wow, this is amazing. They have so many good things that, you know, it almost sounded like a mini MBA. So I filled out the, the, the application and um, I just kind of waited. And eventually they called me and they said, hey, we want to interview you. So they had different entrepreneurs interview me and ask me a little bit about my background and who I was and what I was trying to do. And then all of a sudden they said, oh, by the way, we have a Rhode Island chapter opening up. And that's when I joined Goldman Sachs in Rhode Island and I was part of the first cohort. Uh, so that's a little bit about like how I found out about Goldman Sachs. It was very similar to you guys here today. There was some type of, of introduction. From there, I signed up. And from there, I got accepted and I was part of the first cohort. Now, with the first cohort, um, you know, it was, I would describe Goldman Sachs as kind of like a mini MBA. And I was, I actually like, I pulled out my, my, my binder 
And this is like all the modules from it because one of the, the questions Karina had asked me was like, well, tell me a little bit, you know, I was just trying to brush up or like, what did I learn? And, and there's just so much, like there was HR topics, there was um, financial topics, really like looking at the financial intelligence behind things. There was marketing topics, there were sales topics, there was leadership. Uh, it, it was really driven by the case study method that is very, you know, uh, Harvard University is known for that. And so that's kind of how they teach. They teach with a case study method. They're really bringing uh, examples and they're having us work with other entrepreneurs from Rhode Island uh, across different industries and asking us like, hey, how would you solve this problem? And how can you take this problem and apply it within your own business? So uh, that was like a little bit about the program. Um, and then Karina, I know you had a few other questions, but I, I just wanted to give some background on my history and my first yeah. experience with, with Goldman. I think that's fantastic, Joshua. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, just picking up on the case study method, um, I really like how you phrased that because everything about our curriculum designed by Babson College is, is all about practical, actionable, and real world. You're not studying theory. It's all about you, your small business, and your small business is your own case study. And then you look at other case studies of other small businesses, but you, you're not looking at corporate, you're totally looking at small business, which is so different, right? I mean, we don't have, when we start off in a business um, with one or two or three people, you don't have an HR department, you don't even have a marketing department, you're doing it all, right? So we take it from that perspective of, how you build and scale that business up bit by bit and how what are the opportunities how i guess i guess Joshua, one of the things we do right at the beginning of the 15 week program is that we look at how do you recognize a great opportunity for growth and actually helping all the entrepreneurs in the cohort and you're there with like 20 to 30 people typically uh, each cohort and you come one or two times a week into the classroom um, and you study in small groups as well and you study one-on-one -on -one with a dedicated business advisor which is a great aspect of the program um, but you you're working on identifying for your business what are your best opportunities for growth and distinguishing between what's just a great idea and what's something that can actually become a revenue generating uh, opportunity that there's a customer need for that you've you know that you can actually do your something that fits you. So Jeshua, what were some of the things that like you were, if you can remember back, um, or things that you've worked on since? Because we we give all the entrepreneurs it's like it's like learning a toolkit to apply over and over a, a set of strategies and methods for assessing opportunities and assessing risk and figuring out what will work for you. But what are some of the opportunities that you wanted to explore? And what are some of them that you ended up exploring? Yeah, so um, the framework, I, I really like the fact that it was like creating your own case study, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you can run it by different growth opportunities. So at, at the end of the program, we had to like develop uh, a business plan in regards to a new opportunity that we wanted to launch. And what we ended up doing is we basically um, 
we took an opportunity in regards to like marketing partnerships, which is ultimately what our business was around. And um, we specifically looked at partner channel marketing. So we looked at like, how can we expand with channel managers and how could we actually ex uh, help them be more successful as they manage the third party independent resellers. So that is something that we started to focus on more. So we went from like, okay, here's, you know, we offer marketing services, but how do we actually help uh, channel managers expand their business? So that's something that we've been on for the past few years. And it's something that we're constantly like evolving. Mm. Um, but I would say like, to be honest with you, like in regards to like, when you look at the plan, like the, the outlook was always like, hey, what can you do to launch like a growth opportunity? And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can dream and you can have like this vision of what you want. And you can think that it's going to take 90 days. But the reality is that sometimes those 90 days take like multiple years to oh, yeah. achieve, especially as a smaller company. So, so for us, it was mostly, um, I, I wouldn't say that what I started out as an idea was really like everything that we ran with, but it was more like the principles, right? Like the yeah. principles of like looking at uh, your idea with the lenses of your, of the PNL and financial forecasting. Uh, it was really like, like, like I said, it was almost like a mini MBA where mm -hmm. you can run any idea and think about like, who are the people? What kind of culture do you want to create? Um, you know, what's going to be the marketing behind the initiative? What's going to be your sales process behind that initiative? How, how does the financials support the revenue that will be coming in? And how about the expenses that you're going to have coming out? And the, at the end of the day, the net profitability that is going to have. So for our business, we just kind of continued with what we were doing, which is uh, essentially like outsourced marketing services. But then we also focused a little bit on the niche, which was a target market of channel, mar channel marketing managers. So how do we help them actually sell through uh, third-party independent resellers? That's cool. And you experienced some good growth, right? In the first uh, the first few years after you graduated. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think that I think that first the second year we as you know as an alumni, uh, Goldman does like some recognition and receive a revenue growth recognition award. Um, and ever since, I mean, we have been growing at about twenty to thirty percent every single year. So mm. our company just continues to grow and we continue to expand. And I would just say like the principles were, were solid. They were rock solid in regards to what we would need to apply within, within our business, not just where we were then, but as we need to continue to grow and scale. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, well, Jeshua, I'd love to uh, ask you if you'd like to share uh, with the entrepreneurs who are here on the on the zoom um what you would advise uh i know it's like a a very quick <laughs> a quick uh, little workshop here of 15 minutes of, of some tips and strategies yeah so i i was thinking a little bit about you you asked me to kind of share like three ideas that you know entrepreneurs can take away so let me see if i can share my screen okay. um and i'll just share um let me just screen number okay let me know if you see my screen and i'll share the slides later on yeah i can see it all right so i think one of the most important things and this was also very prominent in the curriculum that we went through is really identifying your target market so i think business growth is all about being able to answer some key questions and um, I would say like anyone in this, in this group like that is either launching a new product line or is starting a business from start. 
I think you need to really like know who is your target market and know specifically what is the target size. Like, you know, like for example, in my case, I talked a little bit about channel marketing managers. Well, how many channel marketing managers are in Rhode Island? How many of them are in the United States? How many of them are in the world? And maybe how many of them represent different types of industries and markets? So the first thing is really like being able to study what the target size is and then really thinking about like how much revenue do we think this individual will be investing with our company and over what time period. And that's really going to allow us to really determine the market size. And when we're starting out, we might want to start to launch marketing campaigns to sub-segments. So we have to pick like a beachhead market. And that was one of the things that we talked about in the class, like who's our beachhead market? And about a year ago, I took an entrepreneurial class in MIT. And that was part of the discussion, like, okay, who's your beachhead market? And how do you know as much as you like learn as much as you can about that beachhead market and about that market in general? So the way you would do that is through interviews and ultimately what you want to be able to do is to develop a persona and you want to be able to really understand specifically like what are their pain points what do they want you know what are what are the 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 pains that these individuals have because at the end of the day isn't entrepreneurship all about delivering value right so how are we going to deliver value to that customer that is in pain right so once we do that we need to do that through interviews we need to quantify the market we need to be able to evaluate exactly how many people exist within that market segment. So I will paste a, a, a link to a persona profile, which we have like some of these questions. And we also have like just a template that you could fill out. So this would be like my tip number one, like any business needs to just be very clear. Who are they servicing and what that market size looks like? Mm-hmm. Um, the next piece is, is um, you know, and I'll pause there. Just to, I don't know how much time we have, but if there's any questions, I'm happy to answer. Mm-hmm. And Joshua, we'll have about 15 minutes at the end for questions too. Okay. All right. Perfect. So I think the next piece is like, once you know the market sizes, right? Like you, you know, okay, well in Rhode Island, there's this many customers that could buy from me in Massachusetts, there's this many, and you have selected kind of like a segment and you built your profile. I think this is the next piece is really like about building an exciting story that is really going to resonate with that prospect, right? So, you know, and you're, you're going to use your website, you're going to use, um, you're going to be able to use, um, you know, video, you're going to tell that story in brochures, you're going to basically disseminate that. And I think the, the, the key questions you got to ask yourself is like, how am I positioning myself as a guide, right? A guide who's going to help my customer become a hero and basically take advantage of my product. So, and I think the ways that we influence them is by being able to cite statistics, being able to cite awards that we have received, being able to talk about accomplishments, testimonials, and really answering the question, how will their world be different once they experience our product or service? So that's all answered essentially in your website, in your collateral and everything that you have and that comes down to knowing who are you servicing and how are you going to make their world completely different. And I think from there, I think the next piece is really all about constantly turning on your marketing and sales machine. I don't look at marketing as its own. I think marketing and sales work collaboratively. 
And, you know, anything that in regards to like your marketing, you constantly have to turn it on and you have to leave it on, whether it's speaking engagements, where you're getting yourself out there, whether it's SEO, where you're appearing for specific keywords, whether it's directly targeting specific customers, um, you need to kind of go out there, tell your story and be able to then have conversations. And even if it's, you know, if it's uh, COVID and we can only have Zoom meetings, then it is what it is. I heard really good tools in regards to like uh, scheduling software, like Calendly, uh, any of those tools that allow scheduling a lot easier. Uh, it's all about having conversations because people are still going to have problems and because you're going to be that guy that is going to help them become a hero. You know, you need to have those conversations. So we have like a guide here that essentially I'll share the link as well to this. And this is like a, a series of questions that you would want to go through in order to constantly launch marketing campaigns. So marketing is something you constantly want to launch and uh, have, and then ultimately measure every single month, just like you measure your PL and you look at like, what's my top line revenue? What's my net profitability? We would want to be able to look at like, okay, well, how much traffic are we generating? How many leads are we generating? How many new customers are we generating? You know, how much revenue have we gotten from those customers? How about cross-selling existing customers? So you look at new customer campaigns, existing customer campaigns, and we're constantly just playing this game of how do we grow our company? And I heard the question earlier today is like, you know, where do we go? Uh, where do we go is where we make money, right? You know, an exchange of, of essentially like, if, if, if you're providing value and people are paying you for that value, that means there's something going well. And you need to, as an entrepreneur, you constantly need to be looking for individuals that you can provide value and they reward you in exchange with their hard earned dollars. And that's how you grow your company. So how you know something works is you have to look at it with the discipline that the CPA would look at your business from a financial standpoint. You need to look at the discipline of the sales and marketing metrics. So that's ultimately like what my what my company does. And um, one of those niche markets that we have been looking at is channel marketing. But we also do that a lot for just businesses in general that are looking to grow their business. And um, that's pretty much that. Those are the tips that I have in regards to like, like I was thinking about like, what are the top three things? I know we don't have a lot of time, but what are the top three things that I think any business would need to do? Mm, that's great, Joshua. Thank you. And yet, um, if you want to put that um, in the chat also, Joshua, what you had on your last slide about how people can contact you for a free consultation that would uh, with that little link uh that's a really valuable service and i think jeshua as a small business owner himself and a, somebody who's started out and small and grown and grown and grown is just a great person to connect with when you you know he knows what you're going through as a small business um so uh, i know a lot of people have had great free and paid advice <laughs> from jeshua and he comes back to our 10,000 small businesses classroom um, frequently to share his uh, tips and his experiences um, for free with our uh, scholars enrolled. And we really appreciate that. Um, you're reminding me, Jeshua, of the, the marketing and sales module that we do in our program with the sales funnel. And just like, you know, really taking through, taking the small business participants through that exercise over a couple of hours of like, everybody has a sales funnel. People are coming in, but are you aware 
of who's coming in and how are you calculating it? Where are they coming from? Where are you getting those leads from? At what point do they convert into a customer? And I just think the whole, that's such a fascinating module and it, there's so much eye-opening that goes on for uh, business owners who are running successful businesses. I mean, our program is not for startups. It's for established businesses. Every single person who's in our program is already successful just by means of they have a business and they started it and they've grown it. But now they want to learn more and they want to grow deliberately instead of sometimes by happenstance, right? That's <laughs> often how it goes, which is not bad. But to actually have a planned out direction and to be calculating your risks and making clear decisions based on metrics, it's, it opens a whole different vista. Um, so yeah, I really love that module on the marketing and sales. It's great. And I think that's, that's ultimately what, uh, what we all as entrepreneurs want to do is, you know, if we can continue to market and sell and deliver value to our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we ultimately want to do. And I think the modules, uh, so if anyone is like, wants to learn more about the program, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, I mean, I have invested thousands of dollars in, in different kinds of programs, like from Sandler sales to classes at MIT or Harvard. And this has been one of the best programs that I have joined. Um, so I would highly recommend for anyone in business, whether you're a marketing agency or not, uh, to really take advantage of this program because it will help you, you know, just with your business in general. Yeah, it's great. And it's free, as you said, like it's no cost. And um, I'm going to hand the reins over to Elizabeth, who's going to give some practical details about the program and how to apply for people who are interested. And I will just say, this is the fifth year that we've been running the program in Rhode Island, and it's our fifth and final year of our grant. So we are hoping that our grant will be renewed from the Goldman Sachs Foundation, but as in life, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I know we've got the money right now for uh, three cohorts this year. We're currently running a cohort with 28 small businesses enrolled. We're in our second week. It's going great. Um, our cohorts are virtual at the moment, and we have one in the summer and one in the fall. So come and get it while we have the funding definitely here. Yay. Oh, Sean. Hey, I didn't recognize you there with your beard. <laughs> we have another alum of the biz- of the program with us. That's great. So uh, Elizabeth, do you want to just give a few details? Um, and we'll take questions as well, like she said. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Elizabeth Russo. I'm the Outreach and Alumni Director for the Rhode Island program. So I'm going to share my screen here with a PowerPoint. So like Karina said, our program has been around in Rhode Island since 2016, and we believe that there are kind of three main components to small business 
growth. So that's education, a supportive network, and access to capital. We believe these three things lead to small businesses, revenue growth, and job creation. Um, at CCRI, we really focus on the education and the supportive network. Um, so the education was written by Babson College, which is known for their entrepreneurship school. And um, it's only 15 weeks long. I'll show you the schedule in a minute. And you're also in a classroom with about 30 other businesses. So like Karina said, right now we're serving 28 Rhode Island small businesses together. And so that's the other really great piece is the network. We do have a loan program also here in Rhode Island through BDC Capital. However, that's separate. So if you're interested in that, we'd be happy to schedule you or connect you with um, someone at BDC Capital, um, but that's a completely different program, completely different application. So this is our curriculum. Um, it's condensed, it's put into 15 weeks. Um, there's all these different topics. And so like Joshua kind of said, all these different small businesses, it doesn't really matter their size, their industry, um, what they're doing as product or service, um, but everyone really has the same problems and challenges uh, in their business. And so we focus on all the commonalities that small businesses have. And um, at the end of the 15 weeks, everyone writes a growth plan. So throughout these 15 weeks and throughout each of these different topics in the modules, um, our business owners are also connected with a business advisor, also at no cost, the business advisor meets with, with you outside of the classroom or outside of the virtual module um, to talk to you one-on-one -on -one about your business. So here in Rhode Island, um, we've served 328 small businesses. Um, we have another group going right now and we, we're on the grant for this full year. So we'll run three more cohorts this year. Um, each cohort, like I said, is about 30 businesses. Uh, nationally, the program completion rate is 99%. Um, and that's because of our application process. We really want to make sure that it's the right time for you as the business owner to join this program and to commit the time you need. Um, and 88% of our businesses do business together, which is fantastic. Um, you can see here on the screen, we have um, some local businesses who have completed our program. We have Candida Castillo from Rhode Island Aesthetic Dental Studio. We have Minnie Lung from Chai Kitchen, it's a food manufacturer. And we also have Champ Spidel, who's the chef owner of Persimmon. And so the highlights here are the program is 15 weeks long virtually, and we have that schedule posted. Um, it's absolutely no cost to the business. Uh, it's Babson curriculum, so it's really top notch. We've been running the program nationally since 2010. We've had over 10,000 small businesses in the country complete this program, and it's still going strong with 19 other sites right now running this program. You have the access to the business advisor. So this is staff members of ours who meet with you one-on-one -on -one outside the classroom weekly or bi-weekly in a small group or just one-on-one -on -one with you to discuss your individual growth plan in your business. You have the opportunity to access capital. So that's through BDC Capital. Um, and we can connect you with Carol Brennan. And you leave with a growth plan. So you leave with this actual growth plan. We, um, we talk a lot about the growth opportunity in the throughout in the modules um, and what that is, if it's feasible, if you can do it, practical, um, if it's profitable. And so you really gain the tools throughout this program to learn how to write a growth plan and if this growth plan is going to work 
for you. And it's, we talk a lot about how a growth plan is a little bit different from a business plan. It doesn't just sit in your drawer. It's, it, you put it to use, you implement it right away. We do require 100% attendance. Um, so as you can see on the curriculum ladder I show, there are a bunch of different modules and clinics where we want you to attend. We post the schedule as far in advance as possible because we wanna make sure everyone can block out the time in their schedule. The way this curriculum was written is a peer-to-peer -peer style learning. So we really wanna make sure that you're in attendance so that you can work with the other small businesses in the group. The network is a really strong component of the program. And we ask that you share your growth data with us. So we're in contact with our alumni like Joshua and Sean. Um, we connect with them at six months, 18 months and 30 months outside of the program. We ask them to complete a survey about their business. And from those surveys, we can measure how they're growing. And that's our, our revenue growth and our job creation are two strong metrics that we follow. Um, and our, our businesses are growing um, higher than the national average small business. And you have the great alumni network. So here in Rhode Island, like I said, it's 328 right now. Um, they are really strong in doing business together. Um, we have continued clinics offered through our program that are Babson designed, also networking events. We just did a happy hour last night with some designers that joined from our, that were alumni of our program. Um, so it's a really strong alumni network locally and then also at the national level. Like I said, there's over 10,000 small business graduates and um, we have an app as well, which is great, a, way, a really fantastic way to connect. And this here is just a picture of Christine West. So Christine West is from Kite Architects and um, she grew her business. And so we just have a little um, blurb on her. She said that in 18 months, she doubled her revenues and has grown her team. And Christine was in Joshua's cohort, right? I think maybe even in your growth group. I can't yeah, remember. She was, yeah. 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 Great. And we've had her on our programming a couple Excellent. times. She is a fabulous presenter, right? Yeah. Really, really good speakers. So for the application process, um, it's three steps. The first step is super brief. It takes only about 10 minutes. It's called the eligibility form and it's online. And we are accepting applications until February 1st for our summer cohort. And that's just the quick eligibility form. So you have, if you have 10 minutes between now and February 1st and you're interested at all, please just fill it out. Um, and then depending on your form, we will um, review that and reach back out to you if you qualify as a finalist. And that's when you complete the interview addendum. That's also online, it's a similar portal and it just takes a little bit longer, ask um, a couple of more in-depth questions and we ask you to upload some supporting documentation and we will work with you through that process. Um, we have a couple members of our outreach team that will be happy to jump on the phone and answer any questions you have about the second application. And the third and final step is an interview. We're running them virtually this year um, and it's just a 20 minute conversation with our team and some members of Initiative for a Competitive Inner City, um, who, all, who work with us on, um, on reviewing the applications. And we're just asking you in the interview about why you're interested in the program, um, why you wanna grow and you know, increase your revenue and hire new employees, if you have any ideas about your growth. So those are kind of the three steps. Um, so the February 1st deadline is coming up. This is the um, 
the application website. I'll also put it in the chat box. So you can just click right on it. And um, this is my contact information. So if you have any questions about um, the program, feel free to give me a call or send me an email. <laughs> There's a question in the chat already, Elizabeth. That was great. Do you see okay. that? I do not. How developed does a business have to be to qualify for the program? Great question. So um, on the application, the first 10 minute quick one that I mentioned, it'll ask you um, simple things, your name, your business name, how long you've been in operation. So that's, we asked for two years, um, how many employees you have. So we asked for um, at least two full-time employees that can include the owner as an employee and also include um, a variation of part-time or contractors. And then we also ask you your revenues. Um, typically uh, in a pre-COVID world, we were asking for 100,000 in gross annual revenue, um, but now our new eligibility is about 75,000 in gross annual revenue. Um, we do understand that the past year has just been wild. So please just submit the application and we're just going to do our best in um, reviewing them. We'll also ask for the past few years so you can, um, you know, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and what um, the past year has been like for you. But typically it's two years in operation, at least two full-time employees and that 75,000 in gross annual revenue. Mm -hmm. And we also have um, a, a quick four minute video um, that we can share on the program. Uh, before we take any questions for uh, Joshua or for Karina about the program. So I'm just going to pull that up again. And um, Karina, if you could just let me know if the, the sound is good. And I just want to add that there's no upper limit as well. So we have people starting who have 5 million in revenue and have been going for 10 years and they want to explore, explore a new growth opportunity for them like a new market a new service new product they want to go in a different direction so um, those are our minimum qualifications to to come in because we want you to be past the startup phase but you can be any size after that great point all right so here's our um rhode island video i'm not hearing any sound Oh, no. No. Um. When you click share, you do have to hit, I think it says optimize for sound or something similar when you hit um, share screen. OK. I think something wonky is going on with technology today. Sorry about that. <laughs>
I'm Johnny Leva. I'm the president of Heroica Construction, located in Providence, Rhode Island. I wanted to open my own business, and I thought, what better way to do it with your family? So my father and I took a leap of faith and said, let's go open a business, and we did. We had drive, we had passion, we wanted to grow something, we wanted to build something, and we kept that. The Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses is a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline, a lot of dedication to it, but you learn a lot. You learn to work on the business, you learn to financials, you learn marketing, you learn a culture in your company. If you want to grow, you're in it. You get a business plan out of it. If you could go from 70,000 to a multi-million dollar business, I mean, I could see myself doing 20, 30, 40 million in, in a matter of time. The backbone of Rhode Island's economy are small businesses and we can't do enough to give them a hand, to help them write a business plan, to help them think about how to market, to give them capital, a small loan. I'm really excited that 10,000 Small Businesses is choosing Rhode Island as the first statewide partner, and it's all part of our plan for continued economic growth, economic resurgence, and that's what this program offers. Our guiding principle in this country is, is equality of opportunity. 10,000 small businesses is a big part of that. I am Ellen McNulty-Brown, the CEO of Lotif Leather. Lotif Leather is hand-making exquisite leather bags. Our business is based on the fact that we are building beautiful product. At the same time, we're never gonna get it off the floor if we don't have a structure and a discipline. I didn't have a full-time finance person. I had to try and be the CFO and I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program was game-changing. There were so many different businesses. Everybody was facing these similar challenges. Being able to take the same team, apply the process tools that we got through the program, and be able to see an increase of 135% in output simply because of the program. I do see us as having the potential to be a billion dollar omni-channel player. And instead of doing it out of Paris like everybody else, we do it right here in Providence, Rhode Island. I never feel better about the prospects of the United States than when I hear a small business person describe their business opportunity, her commitment, and when you see that, you begin to be very, very secure that the American dream is secure for another generation. Great, so I think um, we have some time now to open it up to questions. Oops. I get goosebumps every time I see those videos. 
it's so fun when you have a professionally like well-made video but features all the people you know right i mean jeshua you're you're good pals with <laughs> with johnny labor and he they joined the program together in cohort one and alan as well from lotif and uh Glee Gum was in there, if you know Glee Gum and Deborah. Yeah, it's just, it's terrific to see our local entrepreneurs profiled like that in a national video. We love it. And of course, our great governor, um, who, you know, Gina Raimondo brought the program to the state in the first place, won the funding and got it here. So, yay. <laughs> I, re I remember the, the opening at the Providence Library. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's we're coming up on that five-year anniversary. It's in March, so we're wow. going to mark that somehow for COVID-appropriate. Um, but we'd love to take more questions. Um, you know, uh, like Elizabeth said, if you're not sure that you meet our minimum eligibility requirements, do not worry about that. They're really just a, they're a guide a guidepost for us to just see if you're beyond the startup phase and ready for scaling because the curriculum's very intense and it's really designed for businesses at a certain point in your, in your journey. So if we don't think you're the right fit, it's not because it's a, we're not making a statement about the quality of your business. We're just saying maybe it's not the right curriculum for you at this point. Um, but try, put in an application and then, and then we'll just assess from there, right, Elizabeth? Yeah, so I would just add for those of you who it might not be right for your business, but some of you like Brian, you might have clients that it's a good fit for. Right. So exactly. That's also true. Yep. If you are, you know, if you have clients, absolutely spread the word because it's totally free of charge. And we we have the grant for this year for sure. And uh, David, you know, I'm thinking about you. Uh, yeah. Who are your clients, David? No, I'm thinking about him for his business. Oh, okay. What What's your business, if you don't mind being put on the spot? Uh, a few things, but right now I'm focusing on Paws Pet Grooming down in Charlestown. Um, as a peace of mind pet grooming business for pets, our employees, and people and planet, essentially. Great, great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, we've had a number of um, pet service businesses in the program um, been doing well. What was the one we had in our last cohort with that great name, Bow Chicka Wow Town? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah, please apply if you're interested and, and we're happy to answer any questions one-on-one -on -one as well if you want to call us or email us. Yeah, Amy. Can we talk a little bit about the cross-section of businesses you get? And then Jeshua, can you talk about how that impacted kind of the experience? You know, I imagine that since it's such a wide range, it was really an interesting conversation at times. Yeah, I'll let Jeshua take that. Yeah, no, so... Um... You know, as part of the case study method, or even as part of our own case study, right? Because we're we're ultimately like we're on this journey and we're writing a story, and so, you know, you get the perspectives of different industries. Whether you know, like in my group, um, you know, like Johnny in construction, uh, I actually I referred Johnny to to the Goldman program, and and then he referred other people. So we we have like, I mean, it's just an unbelievable resource that I can't believe I still can't believe it's free. Um, and 
but I would say like being able to kind of get the perspective of someone who's in manufacturing to someone who's in a service-based business to, I, I believe there was even people in the nonprofit sector. I'm yes. pretty sure. So, I mean, it was just being able to kind of like almost like present your, your, your journey and your situation and being able to get the perspectives of different people uh, from different angles. So, you know, you, you're able to avoid some of your blind spots. So I would say that was like very helpful because in each, actually, as you go through the program, you have to do like, if David, if you were to join, uh, you would have to do homework, you know, and you, and you actually, you, you're going to meet with your advisor. You're going to have either weekly meetings or biweekly meetings or monthly meetings, depending on the cadence. And you're going to have to produce a deliverable at the end. And when I was part of the program, we used the program called Live Plan. Mm-hmm. And that's where we essentially like wrote our entire business plan and where we put our financial forecasting. So like, I think your business could, you know, that you can map everything out. You can say, I, I have this many clients, you know, this is my revenue per client. Uh, this is the marketing I'm going to do. And then you can get perspectives from other individuals in the group. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, Joshua. We, this, just this past week um, in our new cohort, we've done the first paired partner exercise where every week we pair up different couples of um, entrepreneurs within the class. So by the end of the 15 weeks, you've had a chance to do a paired partner exercise with everybody pretty much. And it's a great opportunity to ask another entrepreneur in a completely different field from yours, well, how, what's your approach to hiring? How do you manage your people? What do you use for uh, a database, you know, for a CRM? Or how do you, do you use Square in your store? Or how, you know, what point of sale are you using? All those things. And people learn from the smallest thing like, oh, I should be using a different point of sale software to um, big, big issues of, oh my God, I don't have an employee handbook for my business. And this is, I just learned from the person I did my paired partner exercise, what a massive catastrophe they had from something. And I don't want to have that, right? You learn from each other's mistakes, um, and it, in a really profound way. So, and then you do business together, like, like you said, uh, Jeshua and like Elizabeth showed in the slide, people start, you know, connecting um, and doing deals in the classroom, even let alone once they've graduated. So it's a a beautiful thing to see (laughs) Uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the problems to like, because you're building relationships with other CEOs of companies, you know, everyone's going to, it's not just in the classroom, but it's after you leave the classroom. So like, uh, like last week I was speaking with Ellen and I was like, Hey Ellen, what's going on in your world? Uh, you know, help me understand this from your eyes. So um, you start to build relationships and then you're able to kind of like pick each other's brain. And, right. um, and ultimately, if you, if you have a product that brings value and they need it, well, you have a relationship. And that's, I think, where business happens. So I have done, actually, Ellen was one of our customers. Right. Um, and Johnny, prior to the program, he was one of our customers because we actually went to high school and college together. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's great. Are there any other questions that we can answer? Anything very specific or um, anything kind of to do with the curriculum or how to apply? We are happy to talk. 
And if not, please, uh, please follow up with us. I know Elizabeth put it in the chat uh, a little while ago, the 10ksbapply.com website, everything is there. Like you'll find Rhode Island on there. You can click Rhode Island and, um, and there's Elizabeth's email and phone number right there. Um, also our local website, um, uh, if you want to check us out there, that's where you can look at our schedule and see if the days would fit with your schedule. Um, can you pop that in the chat too, Elizabeth? Thank you. Um, yeah, and you can see all of our instructors. We have expert practitioners. Every um, expert teacher that we have for each topic is also someone who either owns their own business or has owned a business or has worked very closely with small business owners. So we don't like any just theory people. We want real people who've really been in the trenches with you so that everyone can relate. Um, but they're all fantastic people from Bryant University, from Brown, some of them are from outside of uh, academia, like we have the president of a, of a local bank who teaches the banking module. So it's, it's all good stuff. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to, to meet more, more entrepreneurs and help more entrepreneurs. And, um, and thank you so much, uh, Amy and Tooney and everyone at Venture Cafe and the Innovation Studio. We love working with you. And uh, you guys are, you guys are great. We thank you for partnering with us. Looks like David has a question. Yeah, sorry. Um, so I was, I'm actually like filling out the application as you were speaking. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> Um, for the full-time and part-time employees, we have uh, three interns as well as full-time and part-time employees. Would I include them in this because they're very much part of the team? Um, or is employees only if they're paid? Um, so employees is only if they're paid. And Hello. that's just because um, in the second part of the application, we'll ask you for supporting documentation, things like your tax returns, profit and loss statements, yeah. balance sheets, and we will help you with that if you if you don't have that stuff on hand. Um, but so we'll kind of use the first part of your application and line it up against the second part. Um, we just want to make sure that you are, you know, paying your employees a fair wage and all of yeah. that. Um, but in the interview, um, we'll talk to you a lot about what your business looks like, your employee structure, and please mention that you have three interns and that, you know, what their schedules are, what they help you with and all of that. And we'll take that into consideration in the interview. Yeah. Okay. And then also, cause like, so I'm not a paid employee myself, but I own the company. Mm -hmm. um, so legally I'm supposed to put myself as an employee, but yeah, you, that's fine. That's fine because we know entrepreneurs pay yourselves in so many different ways. So, but yes, you're the owner of the company. You put yourself down as, as a, as an employee. Yes. Thank you. And then you just say whoever else is and, um, and we can get into the nitty gritty in the interview, but we just want to see a sort of baseline of who's working in this, in this company. Awesome. Thank you. Great. Thank you. That's cool. Any other Great. questions? Um, I just want to say one other thing about uh, Jeshua. It just uh, was when you were doing your presentation on the three key things um, for getting going with marketing, I was, and you had the, the, the customer profile. And I remember the first time I did that myself when I was doing some marketing work um, 
oh gosh, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And the first time I actually took the time to create a real person, like who is my customer? And not just like in an abstract way where you say, oh, you know, it's somebody who makes between this much money and this much money. And I guess, you know, they live anywhere, right? When you really hone down and you're like, well, actually it's a woman and she is between, you know, 30 and 60 and she probably has some children. And then you kind of like really create this persona with all their fully fleshed, what they do, what kind of coffee they like to drink, where do they like to go shopping, all the things around it, you suddenly have a much clearer idea um, of who you're going after and how you can reach these people, what their habits are and where they shop and what they like and what they don't like, right? It's like, it was a revelation to me to do it in that level of detail, but it pays off. So just, <laughs> just sharing that because it's like really important, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's the base of the program. Who are you serving? And exactly. plan all around it. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all so much. We really appreciate the conversation. We really appreciate the Q&A. And uh, as I said, we love uh, being here with you guys at Venture Cafe. Um, so thank you for the partnership. And uh, thanks to all the entrepreneurs for just doing what you do. It's really really tough out there at the moment and we're just happy to be able to lend some support in the way we can. Thank you Elizabeth and Karina and Joshua this has been fantastic I'm so glad to know so much about the program and uh, you know my fingers and toes are crossed that we get to keep it in Rhode Island yes. another five years at least. Oh, my, absolutely <laughs> so, I know so, the governor's been advocating for us so um, yeah hopefully. <laughs> definitely definitely it's such a great um, program and I didn't realize until I saw your video and your slides how many of your graduates we've had on our program um, as key speakers and features. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, for Little Rhode Island, we you know we have three hundred and twenty-eight graduates, so that's <laughs> that's and a lot when you are doing big things. So. Yeah, you sprinkle them all around the state. Everyone knows somebody, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I do encourage everybody who feels like they might be eligible, even if they're not one hundred percent sure, to try it out. Um, fill out that initial application um, and connect with Elizabeth and Karina so you can see. Um, and obviously, if you're not eligible now, maybe next year, if they That's get That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And thank you, Joshua. You were amazing. Um, loved, loved everything you had to share. And thanks for giving your time. Thank you. Yeah. And if anyone has any questions about the program, um, I'm happy to answer it from my perspective as well. So feel free to reach out. Great. All right. And with that, I am going to wrap up our virtual Venture Cafe. I do encourage everyone to jump over to Venture Cafe Cambridge, and I'll drop that link in the chat um, and learn more about what they have going on today. But um, join us again next week. Join us again the week after that. We're here every Thursday from 1130 to 130 at least. All right. Thanks, Thanks Amy. Thanks, everyone.